and welcome to the Energetic Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa LaFera, an astrologer, tarot consultant, and all-around creative from sunny San Diego, California. And this is the 22nd episode for the week of September 24th, 2018. So let's break it down a bit. Here's what to expect. The goal is to help guide and prepare you for the utmost awareness of the energy in the moment. For if you use the energy consciously, it has a better chance of working for you. I'll kick off the show with a weekly astro report, along with a few tarot polls and our Animal Ambassador of the Week. Then a guest will join me in conversation around a chosen topic. And this week, I'm so happy to welcome intuitive astrologer and Joshua Tree desert goddess, Evelyn Von Zuhl, uh, in a discussion on Saturn, the reality of restriction. So before we get started here, please remember, as always, take what resonates and leave the rest because only you know you best. So thank you so much for joining me today. And if you'd like to show appreciation for my work and get early Sunday access for only $1 per month, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. So let's get down to this week's astro report. Our lunar lady starts out the week as she waxes to maximum brightness for our full harvest moon in Aries on Monday. She then starts her waning cycle once the aspect apexes and will cruise through the fiery go get of Aries until she moves into the grounded earth of Taurus on Thursday. She hangs out in the land of the bull for a few days until she glides into the communicative air sign of Gemini on Saturday and where she will remain throughout the weekend. Just a quick heads up, all time approximations are for North America. So if you live in Europe, add about eight hours. And if you're in Australia or the East, add about 17 hours, basically the following day. And keep in mind that timing isn't always precise as astrological transits, otherwise known as the connections that planets make, have varied emphasis as they apply and separate. So it's quite possible to feel the energy sooner or later than the exact moment of contact. Well, folks, our aspect list for this week quiets down a little after we apex out of Monday's full moon in Aries. However, we are at one of the few times a year when we, you know, when life can feel a bit harder than usual. Uh, And why is that? That's because the sun will make its biannual square to Saturn. Uh, And that's when we become aware of roadblocks, blocks, and (laughs) roadblocks, reboks, no, just kidding, (laughs) roadblocks and limitations, roadblocks and limitations. Oh, yes. (laughs) So exciting. Um, Yet, we do have our solar light uh, who's flowing with the Martian energy um, now that the sun is in Libra and Mars is in Aquarius. Um, So that will engage our drives into motion later in the week. Um, So, you know, to me, it really felt like trying to get a run-down car to start this week, kind of. You know, like each time you, you... turn the key and you hope that the engine might turn over. (laughs) Um, That's where my mind went for this one. So we might try to turn over that engine a few times and then finally get it to roar a little later on the week. Um, So let's not waste any time and dive right in. 
So on Monday, we start out with the moon in Pisces, um, and then she'll move into Aries a little later in the afternoon or in the evening, depending on where you are, in North America at least. Um, And then she'll make her opposition to the sun, otherwise known as our full harvest moon in Aries, um, around 7.52 p.m. here, uh, at least Pacific time. And then she'll make a square to Saturn and then a sextile to Mars, all in the same evening um, here in North America. So let's talk about that full moon in Aries just a little bit. I know I mentioned it last week um, in my uh, guest segment with Jack Marsh. We touched on some of the energy that might be going on. And I will say that I also have a blog article um, that I have on my energeticprinciples.com page uh, on my astro blog, which goes into great detail for this full moon too. So I encourage you to take a little uh, read into that if you haven't already. And so, of course, we've talked about this a little bit, um, yet let's revisit some of the ideas that were popping up. Uh, Because Aries energy is that of the I am. You know, who am I? I am this. That is Aries. And we are going to be very conscious of who we are within that mantra at the time of the full moon. Um, And an emotional spotlight will be focused upon the self and likely lit up by the concept of relating and the cultivation of social balance now that the sun is in Libra. And so to recap, full moons are a time when the signature of the new moon apexes to its own energetic climax climax within the chart of the full moon. Um, So issues either come to completion for a release or a culmination occurs, which ideally leads to celebration. Um, Yet we also know that full lunations can be a time of crisis as the energy apexes toward whatever agenda is pushed forward for soul awareness. So it's no surprise that life seems to crescendo at this time each lunar month. And with Aries as the character energy of this this particular full moon, there is likely to be more than enough action because, you know, the moon will be bringing forth such qualities as embracing independence, focusing on the self, being strong-willed, feeling like a pioneer in some way, or the courage to actively engage in any crisis that life has to offer. Because Aries, is, it's built to deal with crisis in the moment. Um, so it's one of those full moons where, you know, that can seem seemingly be that it's happening. It could be a, an actual crisis, <laughs> or it can feel like a crisis. Um, and so we need to keep that in mind with the energy that we encounter. Um, Because this is a warrior's moon, you know, if we think about it, with Mars as the ruler of Aries, uh, and because Mars is in a harmonious aspect with the sun and moon as well. So uh, it's kind of like it's a warrior who is, you know, a thinker, a thinking warrior that can conceptualize the the future with that placement in Aquarius. Um, So I'm thinking that Hopefully that will temper the boldness that Mars um, and that Aries energy can elicit. So hopefully it'll have a little more thinking and detached quality to um, how we proceed to act during the full moon. Um, And it's also known as a harvest moon uh, because this is that time of year after the autumn equinox that we associate with completion and reaping what it is that we have sown. So there is that element as well going on with this full moon where we're feeling that harvest and that cycle of completion. Um, Yet the real challenges come from the square to Saturn to this lunation. And what I will discuss in a bit more detail here shortly in our Sun Square Saturn segment, which uh, is coming up on Tuesday here. So 
hang in there. Um, and of course, the lovely Evelyn and I are going to be really driving that Saturnian message home later in the program during our guest chat. So stay tuned for that. So the bottom line for Monday is that the energy is waxing to a dynamic fullness as the full moon in Aries approaches. The day is likely to have a two-part feel to it as we transition from the sensitive waterways of Pisces and into those that fired-up impetus of Aries. Activity is abound, and it is possible to encounter temper flare-ups or overly headstrong behavior at this time, you know, because we are talking about Aries here and a full moon. Put the two together. Um, so that natural enthusiasm of Aries is likely to be tempered by restrictive Saturn um, because Saturn ha- is having its influence, and especially since the moon is squaring Saturn as well. So do your best to be patient with whatever arises. An emotional crisis may feel hard to handle, yet there is opportunity to direct our actions from a more detached approach if we just you know, do what must be done. So it might be that type of energy on Monday. And so now on Tuesday, the moon is still in Aries and will make an opposition to Mercury uh, quite early in the morning. Um, And so of note that day is when the sun will actually make its square, its exact square to Saturn. Um, And so the sun, you know, the sun is our vital force, uh, the life force, um, the representation of the self. And a lot of times, you know, references turning a page in our story in some way. Um, And squares bring events. They bring action. They bring challenges. They bring friction. Um, and we have to push forward through them. And Saturn brings such lovely things as structure and consolidation and responsibility and needing commitments um, and being one's own authority or having to deal with it. And so these are some of the things that have come up this time of year where we're kind of confronted with the idea of duty versus self-gratification. Um, and where we may have to deal with things that just seem hard, you know, like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to deal with it, (laughs) but we have to, and that's where the friction will come in. Um, and when squares arrive, we are usually at cross purposes where it must be one thing or the other. There is not a meeting in the middle, like there is with an opposition. Um, and so, you know, we are more aware of the barriers in life and the mountains we have to surmount in order to push past the blockages we encounter. And sometimes that can be depressing or hang a little gray cloud over our heads. Uh, Yet it's an inevitable part of life when something comes to our attention that just has to be handled, whether we like it or not. So you may find yourself there at this time. And it doesn't have to be all negative as taking responsibility and doing the hard work for something that will bring benefits and give greater meaning down the road might feel restrictive in the moment, especially with an Aries moon. <laughs> but in reality, it's setting us up for you know the conditions that will thrive for long-term success. And Saturn does reward, yet only when we have done the necessary, you know, work to earn that accomplishment. Saturn wants us to earn it. So think of this time as pushing you forward in the self-discipline department, helping to balance your life and your relationships with the dedication they need to really become worthwhile component to our lives. Now, the bottom line for Tuesday is, is that the fire is still in the air and we are likely to awake with some restless energy to contend with. Uh, And with that sun in a square to Saturn, this is likely a day of agendas and acting on the duties and responsibilities that are calling our attention. 
It could feel as if we are conquering one mountain after another, and if we get in the right flow, we can make headway in the Saturnian real-life priorities department. We are still going to feel like, I wish I could do what I want to do with that Aries moon, (laughs) but sometimes you just have to TCB, or as I like to say, GSD, which is get shit done. So get in there, do what you have to do, and, and tackle whatever arises. Now, on Wednesday, the moon is still in Aries uh, and will make a square to Pluto very early on in the morning once again. And so the bottom line for Wednesday is because we, we, we don't have any aspects exacting on that day, um, but really I think that intense dreams may actually permeate our sleep uh, with that early morning square to Pluto. So if they do, you know, be sure to write them down for, you know, because there's great insight, especially when Pluto dreams come about, because <laughs> it kind of gives us that, you know, dreams have that unconscious element to them, and so does Pluto. So really getting to tap into those, you know, unconscious motivations that lie there. So uh, be sure to write down anything if you happen to, um, you know, dream. It's very helpful. Um, now, having said that, we may wake with an emotional mood that can be hard to shake at first. Uh, so go about the day by picking the low-hanging fruit for that sense of productivity. Um, and then once we're in the flow, you know, tackle what you can within relation to your own personal ambitions. Because Aries, you know, goes after what it wants, and we're still confronted with the uh, that Saturn square as it subsides. So, you know, just tackle the day. Do, do what you can with, uh, you know, Aries loves to pick that low-hanging fruit. It's, it's good because it keeps us in motion. We're doing things, and we're still making progress, but in a way that's not boring. Um, so uh, I would roll with that on Wednesday. Now, Thursday, we have the moon in Taurus, uh, and she will make a conjunction to Uranus, a trine to Saturn, and a square to Mars, all rather early in the morning, and then make an opposite opposition to Venus later on in the day. And so of note on Thursday is that the sun is going to be making its trine to Mars. Um, and so once again, we're looking at that, that solar awareness, that um, vita- vital energy that, you know, we're moving forward here and we're aware of where we're going. <laughs> um, and it's trining. So, you know, the energy is flowing. There's rapid development. Obstacles are removed and the energy is just going. Uh, And what energy is that? That's Mars. That's our drive, where we're focusing our action, where we're directing our motivation, um, and where, you know, we're just... We're just taking action. Um, And so, luckily, those two are moving together harmoniously. And they're doing so in a cardinal air and a fixed air sign. So, we have the air... Airs going on. So, you know, ideas and concepts are flowing and emotion, you know, when the sun meets Mars in air signs, you know, because it's that conceptual air energy. And where we felt the limiting quality of trying to be ourselves earlier in the week with all that Aries moon and that Aries full moon, we now step into the notion of who we are and who we want to link up with and what we are driven to do. There's kind of assuredness that happens when these two meet. And so likely life is, you know, going to be a little busy and there will be projects and alliances communicated into motion or at the very least brainstorming on what the next chapter will look like because we, you know, air signs, there's ideas in motion here uh, and we're directing our energy into that. 
And we are likely to feel this aspect brewing all week, you know, because to be honest, with much of the action happening midweek, especially with the moon's tour through Aries, you know, that it it excites things. It's, we feel it. <laughs> um, so now when it actually exacts with the moon in Taurus, we are solidifying what it is we were trying to accomplish by taking practical steps on the earthly plane. Uh, and by fully comprehending our role and what we are engaged in, you know, having that mental energy aligned with, with the actions that we take, um, we can change and strengthen our position in life through that. And so, uh, you know, this would be a great time to objectively move forward with that, the new awareness that is basically coming to you at this time and where you want to direct your energy. Um, and it's also a great time to do some exercise uh, if you can. Otherwise, your brain may get a workout and feel a little overworked through all the, you know, kind of intellectual concepts that are running through things. So the bottom line for Thursday is is that, you know, sleep may have been a little bit restless the night prior because Luna makes a conjunction to Uranus and a square to Mars. Um, So that can create kind of little, you know, just electric tension in a way. And so there's also the potential for a lot of communication on Thursday, collaboration and social interaction uh, to take place since we have that air trine going on. Um, Yet there can be some flare-ups early on as we are tested with some irritating energy that can rapidly alter or or change our mood in some way, particularly in the ability to relate with others. Um, So it could be one of those waking up in in a uh, kind of (laughs) way and we just got to work through that. Um, and not stay too stubborn in that position. Uh, because, you know, Taurus moons, that they can be a little stubborn and overly cautious. Um, yet there's a drive to the day with that Mars that is out to play. So, you know, do what you can to use the high energy that abounds and then tap into that Taurian vibe um, to help stabilize and finish whatever's on your to-do list. So I think ideas are flowing and we're going to make some progress in the real world on Thursday if we just... Stay focused. Now, on Friday, the moon is still in Taurus and will make a sextile to Neptune very early on, um, and then a trine to Pluto, and then an opposition to Jupiter. And so there are no aspects exacting that day, but we, you know, the bottom line for Friday is, is that this, this can actually be another productive dream night with Luna making that sextile to Neptune. So once again, pay attention to anything that comes up. Um, you know, there there's kind of a great deal of emotional and instinctual juice flowing that can help get things done on a day like today with that uh, moon and Taurus making a trine to Pluto and Capricorn. So there's earth energies, you know, trying to manifest. Um, And so making changes to our landscape and adjusting our workflow accordingly will help to make progress with that trine to Pluto. Um, And then later in the evening, there is the potential for a little overindulgence with that sensual Taurus moon making an opposition to Jupiter. So try not to go overboard in the food or the luxury (laughs) purchase department, as it might affect the pocketbook later on. However, within reason, this could be a great night to, you know, just enjoy a tasty meal, you know, with someone you love or by yourself, you know, <laughs> however that feels for you, and, and take a load off from the activity of the week because I think it'll be a welcomed pause. 
Now, on Saturday, uh, there are the moon is in Gemini at that point, and we'll make a trine to Mars and a trine to the sun. And once again, there are no aspects exacting that day. Um, and the bottom line for Saturday is that energy shifts, and it's likely to be a busy day with the moon now in the on-the-go sign of Gemini. We are in an intellectual flow as Luna forms a grand trine with Mars in Aquarius and the sun in Libra. And so the mind is quite active. Communications will probably spring up all over the place. And our social lives and just the aspect of socializing in general is going to be enhanced. And so, you know, with all this air energy, and especially a moon in Gemini, there's likely to be a restless vibe in the air as we kind of hop from this to that, you know, like a little grasshopper. Um, Yet there is a satisfaction as well as we adapt to what we encounter and just kind of go with the energy that arises. So I see this as being a very positive day uh, that is rather light on the spirit with all that air energy. Now, on Sunday, uh, the moon is still in Gemini and will make a square to Neptune and a trine to Mercury a little earlier on in the day. Um, And as of note, we have Pluto, who will be stationing direct uh, at 18 degrees and 45 minutes of Capricorn on Sunday. And so uh, Pluto has been in retrograde motion since April 22nd of this year, which is usually not that big of a deal as far as retrogrades are concerned, since the outer planets spend nearly half of the year in in that apparent backwards motion that a retrograde is. Um, And there are some unsubtle, you know, there's some subtleties in the interpretation, however, and it bears mentioning that one of the most significant details of a slow-moving planet stationing is that the energy increases and becomes quite powerful, especially for those of us that are going through our own personal transit within relation to our own natal chart. So any of you out there that have a personal planet between 17 degrees and 20 degrees of Aries, Cancer, Libra, or Capricorn are likely to feel the dynamic shift, you know, in our transit story. That means you're going through a Pluto transit in some way, and you'll probably see a storyline, you know, pick up there. And so Pluto brings up themes such as personal renovation, uh, rebirth energy, power dynamics and control dynamics, uh, and the purifying of oneself to the core. And honesty and integrity also become issues when Pluto is involved, and so does the death of all things that do not fit within that criteria. And if you haven't seen the Pluto episode I did with Lisa Allen a few weeks back, now would be a good time to take a listen, especially if you're involved in any particular Pluto transits yourself. Um, And so since April 22nd, we have internalized these subjects, recognizing that most of what needed to change was an inside job. It's always an inside job, (laughs) but retrogrades remind us of this. Um, And now that we have the reversal in motion, we take that newly found power, that gift that comes from the underworld journey, and begin to utilize it in the real world and towards our ambitions in life. And you don't need to be going through a Pluto transit in order to sense the profundity of this energy. 
We will most likely see these dynamics coming into play in the world around us. So don't be surprised if some world news comes out that kind of fits with the schematic that I just mentioned. Um, You know, such things as control and power and that transformative quality will permeate the days surrounding the station. Um, And because it's an outer planet, it usually happens in, you know, kind of society and the world around us in these bigger picture spheres, as well as, you know, on that internal level. And I also find it very symbolic that Pluto, our lord of the underworld, continues his direct mission of bringing souls down, you know, below, because that's what he does. He drags people into the underworld. Um, and it's, it's making this uh, turnaround right after our autumn equinox, when the world is engaging itself in its own journey of decay and rebirth with our season, you know, of falling away. So it seems rather poetic to me, and the timing feels right. Um, So Pluto will actually remain its direct motion until April 24th of 2019. So we have some time to go with Pluto now direct. And so the bottom line for Sunday is, is that Sunday brings another lively day of back and forth with the moon still in Gemini uh, and making that trine to Mercury. It may be hard to get going earlier on as a square from Neptune brings in a foggy, dreamy-like quality to the day. And so energy may be a little lower on Sunday, yet we still want to engage, you know, because we have that, that chatty Gemini energy. And so this could be a great day for some fun and games. You know, it is Sunday fun day. So take a load off and, have, you know, have some fun. Why not? Um, it could also be a great day to read a good book or just, you know, kind of take yourself out um, of reality in a way um, and entertain some new concepts or ideas uh, that you can analyze or chew over through, you know, what it is you read. Because um, it's a very, you know, in the head sort of day and you may just desire to escape and be in the clouds. And that's okay. It's Sunday. So, you know, let yourself have a moment. So to really wrap it all up here, you know, this week starts with a bang as we're confronted with a fiery yet constricting full moon in Aries. Um, And our bi-yearly Sun-Saturn square tests our patience, our planning skills, and our ability to take responsibility for what is on our plates. While that Sun-Mars trine helps give us the mental energy to tackle and get a grip on whatever is before us. So now let's take a look at the cards because they always add another interesting dimension to, you know, take into consideration. Um, And so this week I drew the Three of Wands as the focus and the High Priestess as the grounding. And so with the Three of Wands as the focus, we are tapping into the big picture and envisioning the prospects that the future holds, becoming aware of the opportunities that are before us while sizing up our options will hold great benefit this week. There is an increased clarity on the horizon ahead now that we know what we have to work with and the visions we hold for ourselves begin to sharpen and, you know, become clearer. And executing our plans of attack and putting the goals that fire us up into action will help to expand the playing field we walk upon, which is actually perfect for that sun, you know, Mars trine. It's really, (laughs) this card really fits well into that uh, Mars and Aquarius trining the sun, in my opinion. And so, um, you know, put it out there. This could be a great time to really embrace collaboration um, and and self-expression within that collaboration. So, you know, take a, take a good look at your plans and what you're foreseeing for the future. 
And with the high priestess as the grounding, she is reminding us to pay attention to our intuition and our instincts while also engaging in our innate wisdom in order to tap into the three of wands energy that I just mentioned. There is likely hidden potential to whatever it is that we are now sensing and spending a moment or two in stillness will help foster the clarity needed. And so that proverbial veil may lift a little bit this week, helping us to intuit what the future holds, yet we must be receptive enough in order to tap into the voice within so we can hear the message in the first place. And so last but certainly not least, this show is brought to you by this week's animal ambassador, the falcon. This bird of prey is reminding us that when an opportunity strikes, we must act upon it and commit without equivocation. Sometimes we don't act because we feel limited or restricted in some way, which can hold us back from going after the opportunities that are before us. We may feel like we are not smart enough, we're not prepared enough, or we lack what it takes. Yet that is all of our own perceptions doing, and quite possibly Saturn's. Yet with a week like this week and the sun trying to Mars, and in air, no doubt, as we have a falcon, I feel like the, you know, the falcon is reminding us that it, it, stay focused. Stay focused on the goal ahead and the mission that we hold in our hearts. Um, and we must respect that purpose and commit to it fully in order to see it through. It's not a linear path to get there, you know. It's it, we, just, it, we have to kind of gauge the thermal winds in order to ease our ride and go with the flow. Um, because it's the beauty of the falcon and those birds of prey is that they ride those winds. They, you know, they don't exert as much energy, um, more energy than they have to. And so I think that's another key to the falcon. Um, and so as they ride the winds, you know, once they find that prey, they don't waste any time. They dive right in because in order to survive, the falcon relies on the ability to take action. And this week seems to also illustrate that need as well. Now, if you would like to go deeper with how the energy of the week will interact with you personally, I encourage you to check out my tarot subscription on Patreon. Uh, Every week, I do a custom spread that is aligned with the uh, transits of the week so that you can help pull personal card placements um, with the transits that I talk about. And so it's just a fun, you know, seven to nine card exercise uh, that a group of us does, uh, including myself. And it really does give a lot of insight um, in the beginning of the week when you pull them and also at the end when you come back to see you know, how it's all um, uh, transpired. And so if you'd like to find out more about that, uh, I have a freebie spread um, and other, you know, such uh, descriptive things to look into on my Patreon page. And so last week we worked on building a new model, and this week we'll be working on goals and intention. So to find out more, uh, come on down to Patreon at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. Okay, now let's meet our guest. All right, I'm so happy to welcome this week's guest, Evelyn Von Zul. Thank you for joining me. Ah, thank you for having me. Yay! And Evelyn came to me uh, via Annalisa Six, who's been on the podcast a couple times, and she was like, oh, you have to meet my friend Evelyn. She's amazing. You know, we Yada, yada. (laughs) And here she is. Uh, So Evelyn, tell us a little bit about yourself before we get started. 
Um, a little bit about myself. I am I am an astrologer. I've been working as an astrologer uh, professionally for the past, I think, two to three years. I've been studying for about five to six years. I live in the desert <laughs> in Southern California um, uh, by Joshua Tree. It's called Yucca Valley. And I, yeah, live and work in the desert. <laughs> yeah. How is, I know, I like, I kind of associate with being in the desert because really, you know, when you're in Southern California, you're in the desert or you're in a land that's cultivated not to be the desert, but still has that desert vibe. Um, and wh- I mean, what do you, what do you, have you lived in the desert your whole life? No, I'm from Chicago. Well, I've lived all over the place, but I'm mostly from Chicago, went to school for photography in Chicago Mm -hmm. and um, then moved out to California uh, like in 2014. Mm -hmm. Um, So not that long ago. And I lived in LA for a couple of years and then transplanted out here. So it's been a big, huge shift and change for the past I would say seven years, I'm a totally different person, like totally different path. And um, yeah, going from one study of light to the other, mm-hmm. uh, it has been a really fascinating process of self journey and exploration. Yeah. And how perfect is that you said it's seven years as we're, as today we are going to talk about Saturn, the reality of restriction. That's, that's the title I came up with. And that's not the only thing Saturn brings, of course, but uh, that's the first thing that came to mind. And I love how you say seven years because essentially seven years fits into a Saturn cycle, which we'll kind of talk and touch upon um, as we go forth here. Uh, but Mm-hmm. And I thought it was perfect, you know, because obviously we have Saturn and Capricorn now. Um, and then Evelyn was born, you were born with Saturn and Sag, right? Mm-hmm. And yes. then Saturn and Virgo. So we got some <laughs> different different Saturnian views to like pull upon uh, within all this. Um, but before we kind of start talking about Saturn and its archetype and like what it, you know, what's Saturn? Um, why do I need to know? <laughs> Let's talk about, I mean... We are recording this a few days before our full moon in Aries, uh, which is coming early in the week. And I touched on it a little bit in the last um, episode with Jack. But Evelyn, do you have any insights to this week's early week's full moon and and its Saturn influence going on? (laughs) Yeah, it's a pretty, well, of course, everything is a big, (laughs) all planetary aspects are a big aspect, right? Like, we're going to be not exciting in the sky. But, um, yeah, the following, uh, the coming full moon is going to be making some stressful aspects to Saturn who's conjunct Vesta, um, which happens every four years or so. So the last Saturn Vesta conjunction was in Scorpio in 2014, um, of September. And so this is another big cycle that's coming to, fruition and also a close, but also a new beginning because, you know, there's no such thing as an ending without a beginning. They're both synonymous with each other, I believe. Yeah. Um, Just different feelings. And then also the moon will be conjunct Chiron, which is so beautifully explained in Kundalini, Kundalini, the rising Kundalini in astrology 
book um, as the rainbow bridge between Saturn and the outer planets. So Saturn is making a square to the moon and Chiron, its bridge, which will be, I think, aiding in bridging the polarity between that self-identification and individuation and other. Um, and also the... Uh, since Chiron is a warrior, um, is fighting for what you believe in, sticking up for your beliefs, sticking up for your true um, identity, and not really, I guess, worrying too much about the other. But then there's this whole other side of the coin where it is identifying self in other mm. and saying, I am you and you are me and how are our frustrations the same, but being manifest as a reflection to each other to learn and grow and move on from. Um, so that's what I see being very prevalent with this full moon coming up. Mm, I like that. I love the, cause it's true, you know, that sat, Saturnian element coming into square the sun and the moon, uh, in Libra and Aries respectively can be frustrating. Like, I like how you point out, like we might be frustrated with each other or, you know, that relating dynamic that we're, you know, con- become consciously aware of once the sun moves into to Libra, because it, that's essentially what Libra does. It has, it reflects back from the other so that you can better understand yourself and then the other in the process and then kind of meet in the middle. And yeah, we are probably all just going to be frustrated (laughs) to some extent at this time because Saturn can bring that type of energy. Um, So I definitely think that's an astute observation. And I'm curious about this, the uh, best, you said Vesta's conjunct Saturn. And I don't work with the uh, asteroids too often. I do work with Chiron. Um, And so, I mean, I know Vesta, you know, that Vestal Virgin energy, the woman to herself, uh, that kind of virgin energy, but how would you play that into Saturn? You think to help me understand how it might play in a little more. Um, so Vesta in conjunction with Saturn really is bringing up to me a lot of what's going on politically with women's, uh, sexual rights, um, and how it is not just about women's sexual rights, but identifying and realizing that it's about humans' sexual rights and the sacred sexuality between self and other, um, between the relating between those two entities. Um, um, and the morality between it. Like what is moral? What is just? What is right? What is within the law of nature and what is without? And how do we define what is natural law regarding sacred sexuality moving forward? And is that something that is personal or is that something that is governed by an external authority? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that part right there. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Highlight that part, um, which it shouldn't be, you know, I don't think that a, a government should be regulating anybody's, uh, personal, you know, bodily effects in any way. And, um, it's interesting to think what would drive someone to think that they would even want to control that in another to begin with, like what, what motivates that? Um, and mm-hmm. so, 
yeah, I don't have an answer. I mean, maybe I do, <laughs> but that's not the topic of this show. Um, but I, I like that. And you know, that, that seems to fit in nicely. Jupiter and Scorpio fits in nicely for those types of things. And so does Uranus and Taurus. So it's kind of like this perfect little cosmic cocktail that's coming together to really uh, help us women, um, you know, get the message across of what is and isn't acceptable and bringing things to light that have just been, you know, uh, buried down for, for <laughs> since the beginning of time. No, I don't know, but <laughs> um, it is a revolution and I'm very excited for it. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. Um, yeah. The sense of authority too is I think a big theme, especially with Saturn, of course, because yeah. we consider him to be this uh, ruling person or a deity archetype that governs our sense of time and our relationship to time but then that also dictates laws and regulations within our lives because it creates limitations for what we can and cannot achieve um but we were so in the esoteric book club that uh i host we were reading uh occult preparations for a new age by dane rudyard and the way that he explains authority was so eloquent and beautiful that totally changed my perception of it. Um, because I think a lot of us, a lot of like Uranian types and Saturn and Sagittarius like me have a difficult relationship with authority mm. and external authority or something that's like, no, you're not going to tell me what to do. I'm going to tell me what to do. Even if I know it's the right thing to do for myself. Yeah. <laughs> um, just that I want to be the one to come to that conclusion. And then Dane Rudyard writes that authority is not an external figure um, putting rules and regulations over you, but it's a sense of authorship over your own life, mm. being the author of your own story and bringing back that uh, sense of inner authority, creating it for yourself. But what we do is we give our sense of authorship away to others, whether it's through, you know, laziness or we don't feel like we have the right credentials or we just don't think that we're valuable enough for whatever reason to make these sorts of decisions for ourselves or that we just can't in some way. And so like that sense of free will mm -hmm. um, and comes into play with Saturn as well. It's like, because uh, I feel like once you get to your return, you feel more a more greater sense of free will. Like, I'm really on my... Like, I'm really doing this now. Whatever my life is coming into existence as, it's me. Like, it's my responsibility. <laughs> it's not someone else. And that's exactly what it comes down to, right? Like, at the Saturn return, you realize with that conjunction that it is your responsibility. And that's why people tend to grow up or are faced with circumstances at that time in, in life that can seem rather um, hard. Uh, you know, Saturn gets a bad rap for be, you know bringing forth you know hard and difficult circumstances into your life. But really, it's for those things that you just said to uh, align with with the authorship of of one's own life and doing what is uh, necessary, uh, taking responsibility, um, for how that course is going to then manifest because, you know, Saturn is all about, 
um, you know, it's a, it's a great architect. It's about planning and it's about preparation and things along those lines as well. Um, and so we are awakened to that to some extent uh, when we have our Saturn return, which with you with uh, Saturn and Sag wasn't too long ago. I, yeah, you're like fresh in my memory, I'm sure. <laughs> um, strong, but yeah. <laughs> All but a memory. All but a memory. Um, And it's interesting that you say that because it's true when a planet is in a sign that doesn't necessarily go as nicely with its archetype. You know, Sagittarius and Saturn, you know, Jupiter and Saturn are who Jupiter rules Sagittarius are basically, you know, they're the opposite ends of the coin. Jupiter expands and and, uh, uh, Saturn restricts, you know. And so that freedom-loving principle um, and that coming to one's own terms and knowing what's right on the inside and feeling and connecting with that and then having that outside authority come in um, or being placed within that, I can see how that would be difficult, to say the least. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I had my own difficulties with Saturn though, too, having it in Virgo. And when I had my Saturn return back in, God, how long ago was it now? I want to say 2010, 2011, 2010. I can't even remember. I remember, but I can't remember (laughs) the dates. Um, And Saturn lends itself a little better in Virgo, you know, just because it's an earth sign. It's a, you know, Saturn likes hard work. Virgo will work for it. Um, But it can also, Virgo gets caught up in, in the details of things, obviously, and sometimes to a fault, you know? And so there is a harshness that comes with Saturn and Virgo. Um, I personally, I think, and, but I have Mars square to it. So I have my own, you know, thing Mm -hmm. with that. So, I mean, how did you experience your Saturn return or just having Saturn? Mm -hmm. I mean, does anything significant happen for you or like a realization? Uh, I quit my job. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Full-time job. I quit my Saturn's in the second house, so I quit um, my sense of financial security, moved to the desert in the middle of almost nowhere for the most part with a population of 25,000 people, um, got married, and bought a house. <laughs> oh, that's so different from everything. Yeah. Experience. All the city living. You say you're from Chicago, right? And then yeah. LA, and now you're in this more kind of Sagittarius expanse, expansive like area, right? You know, you can, not the same as living in the city, I'm assuming. (laughs) Yeah. And really a lot of it is because I like moving out into the desert, there's a sense of freedom here. There's a sense of like, well, when was the last time I saw a cop just driving around town? Mm. And then Joshua Tree, they don't even have a council. Like they don't have a, it's not a, um, what is it? Like they're under the jurisdiction of the San Bernardino County. So like learning about all this stuff, I was like, yeah, we don't even have cop. We don't even have a police station. Like we don't even have any of that. Like this is what I'm craving right now. It's yeah. like it's a freedom from these really bureaucratic, mundane rules and regulations. It's like, why can't I park here right now? I just need to get about my day and do what I need to do without someone telling me that I have to like move my car 10 feet over there. It's just like, so it was really beautiful. I love, I love it. And now when I go back to Chicago, it's such a different perspective of being in that 
bureaucracy versus being out of the bureaucracy. And when people come to visit from Chicago, I see it too, where we'll go into, we'll just be going hiking and uh, we'll be like, are you, can we go over? Is it okay if we like go? <laughs> like, you can do anything that you want. Like, well, with respect. Within, yes, respect and reason, of course. Yeah. But it's, yeah, it's not that same. Yes, that just all those little things that occupy our mind, you know, like, like you said, like if you have to, if you have to get something done and you're going about your day, but you have to worry about moving your car across the street for street sweeping, like it's all those little, you know, uh, structures of society that add up that cause stress to our lives. And, you know, Saturn is, can definitely be associated with stress because it reminds us of this, of these limited, limiting forces upon us. So yeah. yeah, I think that's actually a beautiful, uh, Saturn return as a, for a Saturn and Sag, like if anything, yeah, you took ownership of your life to like get you, you know, in a spot that's called to, you know, what it is, your own structure, like the structure you would like to see. Um, yeah. and so, yeah, I like that. I like that yeah. a lot. I mean, it's not, of course, there's a lot of stress and anxiety about like, cause when it comes to growing, like growing through or breaking through, um, maybe a, a learned societal structure that's there's so much going on too in terms of self-doubt self-criticism self-worth like wondering if it's even like good a good decision if it's cr- absolutely crazy um and working through those process mental processes with those mental limitations is a whole other level mm. um, so, yeah. Oh, you were having your square when that was happening. Oh, my square? Mm. <laughs> it was not. Well, see, okay. So, well, in my chart, it's, it's a tricky business because that's the thing is like when we talk about Saturn returns and then the squares and then the oppositions, um, they... They are going to depend, A, upon the sign that it's in, of course, how we're going to experience it, but also the, you know, what is the condition of Saturn in our own chart and how are the other planets talking to it? Um, and I happen to be born at a time when uh, Saturn was exactly conjunct the North Node in Virgo oh, wow. um, and Mars was exactly square. Oh. So, you know, my Saturn comes with a signature for itself that whenever it's activated, however we're looking at that, um, you know, it's activating these other things along with it. Um, and so the square for me w- when it was in Sagittarius was rather trying, I have to say. Um, and of course my solar return coincided at the same time that Saturn was exactly square Saturn and mm-hmm. uh, opposite Mars, you know? And so I have that flavor to carry me on oh, through wow. the year. Um, but what was a, some of the interesting things about that particular time? I will say when I had the conjunction, when I had the Saturn return, that was a time in my life, and this speaks to Virgo qualities, I would definitely say, um, is I, I had been a musician earlier in life, and then I went on to be like a, a intense record collector and, and DJ, and I did that for a long period of time, um, and were very you know, into the music scene and supportive of it. Um, and then I just had a one day I realized that I was like, wait, you know, it, I think I've um, appreciated long enough and now it's my time to contribute. And so at the time of my Saturn return, 
that's when I really started getting serious about developing my skills once again, uh, musically and, uh, you know, picking up the instrument and making the effort, uh, because I wanted to have my own projects going. Um, and I know I had the talent to do it. I just wasn't putting the effort and hard work in. (laughs) Damn you, Saturn. Um, which, you know, having Mars in Gemini, it's hard because we're talking about two mutable signs here that can essentially, um, you know, ping pong or go back and forth. One minute it's important and the next minute it's like, I'll do that later. Um, and so there's a scattering of energy that could come about, which is not, Saturn's not about that. It wants your focus. Um, and so at that point in my life, I decided that I was going to do the work necessary to get my skill level, you know, Virgo up to what I would like it to be. So I'd be comfortable to perform and then join and then, uh, arrange groups. Cause I have that Saturn and North node in the 11th house. And so I got my bands together, you know, and did all that. Now, when I had the square, here's a testament to the cycle, right? If we're thinking about this, so we were saying about seven years, right? Between, um, conjunction, the square to opposition square back around. And so when I had the seven-year square while I was in Sagittarius, which (laughs) we just talked about a lot, um, that is when I started to have problems in the the outfits that I had going on. And it actually took a solar eclipse that happened to my North Node and Saturn uh, back in September of 2016. And then everything just went fell apart, basically everything that I had worked for. And so that's, those are those tests, you know, um, where we essentially when that, uh, square happens, we are tested as to what we've done so far, if it has that sustainability, um, and that endurance necessary, or we're tested with that endurance, or sometimes we can pivot to the next thing that is more worthy of our time. Um, and so that's where I found myself per- personally in that long rended, <laughs> but, uh, but I was at odds with other people in opposition within that for why it all fell apart. Mm. Um, so yes, mm. that's what, that's what happened to me. No. <laughs> Scorpio. So it's gotta be yeah. intense, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So then you'll, it's, okay. So then the North node was in, um, what, what house is your North node? Uh, in the 11th. Okay. If you're looking at whole signs, if you, if you look at Placidus or Coke or anything along those lines, it's, it's technically in the 10th, but oh. in later on in the, um, oh, okay. but yeah, no, it, it was a, it was, it's so funny because those moments in hindsight, as we look back upon them, both of us telling these stories, that's when we like fully realize what Saturn means to us, right? You know, what its impact is, because I have this, we were just talking before we got on, uh, uh, and hit record, we were talking about the idea of like conceptualizing planetary action versus like understanding it within the real physical world. <laughs> and I think these are those moments that we get to actually figure that out or feel that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. absolutely. It's one thing to theorize and postulate and, uh, yeah, philosophize <laughs> ideas and concepts all day long but it's totally different going out and living the experience. Of yeah. It. 
it'll surprise you, you know, like that's because the nothing is ever how we imagine it to be. And I mean, that really plays into the whole idea of expectation to begin with, which is a, a whole interesting topic uh, in itself. Um, and I think Saturn is one of those planets that uh, definitely rearranges our expectations of things. Because if we're talking about a planet that is uh, in its very nature constrictive and limiting uh, for good or for not so good, um, you know, we have to, we get confronted with what we expect from life in those moments, I think. Mm-hmm. So also with Saturn being the, the I guess, guiding force of time or the sense of time, um, I think that I definitely became more respectful or cognizant of time <laughs> during my return. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I was wondering if that was anything similar to you. Yes. And it, well, because right now I, it, it's funny because like you say, it's, it's in that moment when I actually had the return and I decided to step up and, and, you know, put the hard work into my skill set, uh, which paid off because I became quite good. I was happy with what, what I had done, but the reality of time is what hit me because, you know, like we're thinking Saturn, if it, it represents, um, that linear idea of life and how we are increasingly, you know, aging every day. <laughs> um, you know, there's those moments, those come to home moments with yourself is like, what am I going to do with my life? And, you know, it's just, it's passing by. Um, and, and yeah, so yeah, so that awareness of time. And it's so funny because in, in, uh, I ended up writing a couple songs um, that really fit in with those that, those exact things. Like I have a song in one band called Waste of Time, uh, <laughs> where it's like, uh, there's plenty of time, I'll do it tomorrow. That's what I keep telling myself every day, you know, like, <laughs> and that's it, you know, and I would write those songs to myself to remind myself, you know, like, because I have a, I have a Pisces South node, which can lead to procrastination. Pisces energy can lead to, you know, putting things off for a later date. Um, but we know what that does in the end, right? <laughs> Nothing gets done. Um, and so to answer your te- question about the time, really, that's coming into focus for me now that Saturn is in my third house. Um, and especially with, in Capricorn, because we're talking about a planet that's in dignity now. So if Saturn was aware of time before, Saturn is really aware of time now. Mm-hmm. Um, and time management is such an important skill in our, in our lives because time is probably the most precious commodity we have, right? <laughs> Seemingly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So how are you with time management in relation to, you know, having Saturn and Sag, where there, Sag kind of almost has no time to some extent? Right. I also have Uranus in the second house in Sagittarius. And so, and my Neptune is in the third in Capricorn. So, <laughs> so that's funny. <laughs> I actually came to a very wonderful understanding of time and of philosophical way. Which, How perfect! <laughs> yeah, which, um, especially working with these cycles as an astrologer, you have to understand the like literal ticking process of each little planet going around and how long they take and what happens when they do and um, little guideposts and whatnot. But Saturn, in terms of time and time management, um, I actually acquired a lot more time <laughs> oh. when that 
yeah, um, I've understood now that I can create my own, uh, I guess, daily time management. Well, I have to regulate it for myself mm. now. Like I have to tell myself what I'm going to do at what time. And I have to tell myself like, okay, I can give myself two hours to do this because no one else is doing that for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, Saturn in second house and Sagittarius too, you know, working for yourself or making money for yourself in some way. Um, and Aries, Scorpio rising for you too, Aries in the sixth house, potentially like working for yourself or, um, you know, doing things on your own time frame, your own schedule, and not really wanting to be regulated in any way with someone oh, talking yeah. when, what, where. <laughs> um, so that has come to actually, that was a beautiful gift, I suppose, of a Saturn return is acquiring that freedom of being able to manage my own time. But with that, as does come with the responsibility of free will then is the responsibility of choice and making decisions for yourself. (laughs) Mm, That's very Saturn as well. Like making, you know, because when we make a decision about something, we are also deciding against something as well, because usually decisions come with an option or another one or a few options together. Um, Mm -hmm. But we have to, you know, constrict what it is that we can choose from in order to make that, you know, decisive move. Um, and so, yes, I think that's perfect. And I mean, are, are you, you're self-employed, right? Or do you, yes. Yeah. And yeah. I have mainly been self-employed throughout my life, or if I've had jobs, I've had some autonomy in it, um, yeah. in order to work freely. So that could be <laughs> definitely that airy sixth house for sure. But you're absolutely right. Because when you are responsible for yourself, especially in work related things and, you know, you the only boss you have is yourself. You have to wake up to, you know, you being the one that's calling the shots and getting things done and no one's going to do it for you. And, and a lot of people find that harder. Like it's almost easy to kind of succumb to the authority and be like, just tell me what to do. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that either. I think there's definitely a a place for every potential existence. Of course, as you know, we are snowflakes and we are unique. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, yeah, but when it comes to, you know, with the placement that we have for us in particular, being your own boss is like something that you probably, we craved growing up, like wanting to break free from that restriction. And then Saturn return comes along, like, okay, well, here you go. Yeah. Like, whoa, I didn't realize all the responsibility that came along with being my own boss and being my own authority figure. It's like, I can't cry to myself. Well, I can, but then it's like, well, <laughs> yeah, going and moving forward. Um, but in terms of understanding time in a deeper sense, um, I came to, especially reading more about Saturn and how it is, it is really the last ruling planet of the third dimensional sphere um, of the elements. So like beyond Saturn, we go into the outer planets, which are bigger than us. It's more than just you. It's more about everything other than you and existential and spiritual and your connection with spirit and community and people, basically the bigger you. And, um, this understanding of time that I have now is that 
I see it more as a spiral rather than a linear thing, which I know goes, there may be a philosophy or a term for it, but I see it as a spiral and the way that it functions is that we keep moving in that spiral and encountering similar lessons that we met in that same spot in this novel before from on a different plane, but we have acquired more knowledge, awareness, time, life experience. So that lesson is now coming from a different perspective. Yeah. Way of understanding it. So I guess the way I see it at this point is, um, multi-dimensional versus like the flat line of like looking at my clock going around and around and around. (laughs) Well, no, I love that because it makes a lot of sense because if we think about the Saturn principle, we think of Saturn essentially bringing us into maturity Um, and maturity comes with age. And if we're revisiting that same time point on a spiral as we ascend through it, uh, we gain wisdom from each time we meet that same point. Um, and that's why, uh, you know, a lot of people that have Saturn heavy in their charts or, you know, Capricorn, um, there's a lot that tends to maybe come to you later in life. Like there's a late blooming type of energy and I fit right into that. You know, like I feel like I didn't even get really going until my Saturn return when Saturn was like, what are you doing? Wait, come on, let's get this together. Um, and it's something to look forward to, obviously, because, you know, if you're, if you, you're like a fine wine that ripens <laughs> with age, you know, that's not like, that's the beauty of Saturn. I'd like to look at it like that. And that really falls into your whole idea of, of the spiral within it, because we have to meet those same points, but with a new awareness and the wisdom that we've learned along the way. Um, and that's why Saturn can kind of be that that wise teacher um, or mentor. So, you know, that makes a lot of sense. I like that. (laughs) Uh, And it's easy to remember too. Like I got the, the visual. Yeah. Yeah. In there. there. Um, Now, so this week and why we're even talking about Saturn in any ways, who wants to talk about Saturn? No, I'm kidding. Um, well, we talked about that full moon, but we also have the sun obviously meeting its bi-yearly square to Saturn. So, you know, what happens when the sun meets Saturn? Like what in particular? Um, you have any thoughts on uh, those two, those two playing, playing ball with each other? <laughs> well, in the nail chart, when I've seen it, manifested in a person it represents itself as really really structured um expression of whatever the sun is in so Mm -hmm. really careful moving forward like it's really precise and careful and it doesn't react without considering I think the data and the information first can at some points there's some signs be like get to the point of missing opportunities because of the caution that is expressed with the Saturn sun conjunction um, where the, the emphasis is heavily placed on the structure and the process 
versus or like the long term the like how we're going to get there versus the the goal mm-hmm. uh, or not being able to see so much of like the reason why you're doing it anymore in the first place but so focused on the what yeah the the steps and the responsibility of it all and what in and, and almost feeling you know constantly weighed down by that to some extent. Um, and if when we think about the sun, just in that solar principle, you know, it's the light that we have to shine, you know, right. And so Saturn, you know, can kind of dim that expression a bit, um, because, you know, even Saturn as a color, it represents black. (laughs) So if we put like a black filter over our sun, you know, we, it's like we're wearing sunglasses in a sense, um, which can be good to temper that kind of, you know, like a, a, yeah, like a Saturn-Sun conjunction would be di- manifest differently in each sign, obviously. You know, like a, that happening in Aries versus that happening in, you know, mm-hmm. the Virgo are going to be two totally different things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there is kind of that dampening, much like Neptune, because Neptune can do that too, because Neptune um, is that different principle where things just are, you know, dissolving uh of dissolving the light in a way that people might not kind of shine that self more, you know, um, through that, or like they'll hide their light versus the Saturn, which hides their light kind of in a different way by being so overly cautious and not willing to maybe, um, stand out as much, you know? And so that could be something as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then also I was thinking while you were saying all that, um, the Saturn, maybe I lost it. Actually, <laughs> it'll come back right when we're talking about something else. It, it always does. <laughs> it always does. Um, now, Saturn, though, in relation to a transit cycle, is a little bit different uh, than how we deal with it in a in a natal perspective. Um, and so, we have the Sun squaring Saturn this week in in a mundane perspective. So, you know, if you have your Sun or your Saturn in the places where the Sun and the Saturn are now, you're definitely going to be feeling it more than most because it's uh, exemplifying that you know energy. Um, but, you know, we all have our own specific times of the year where our, you know, our sun, this, our, the sun tests our personal Saturn, basically. Um, and usually I notice that, you know, it, it, it starts, obviously it starts new cycles of things. Any planet when it meets in a conjunction and even in an opposition, depending on how it goes out, we're going to start a new cycle. Um, but it's kind of like that idea of like success versus failure in a way where we're like, either we're come to like, here's the achievement or we're like, Oh no, this didn't go well. <laughs> Divert. <laughs> and also the pot and the potential of holding on to tradition for the sake of tradition when really it's not working anymore. Mm. And it's time to make an adjustment to it when it could be really, really difficult because going against a tradition doesn't not, it's not just about going against your own personal daily life. It's about going against maybe your father or your mother or your family or a lineage that you're brought up in. And so that too, cause this, this is going right on the equinox for us. So this is coloring the whole season. Yes. <laughs> going forward with this whole season and the election coming up in the fall. It's about, I think too, this, this dichotomy between my beliefs and yours um, 
And then that Saturn is making a square, which is a uh, frustration or that need to like come in the middle or come to terms with or make some sort of a resolution between the two, which Mm -hmm. is like, okay, I know that there's this tradition that's been happening in like, let's just use Thanksgiving as an example. Like (laughs) traditional Thanksgiving has been going on in our family for, for, you know, whatever as Americans for generations and generations. But it, does it really hold the same weight as it once did? And how do we, how do we take that tradition and uh, create an identity around it that fits for us now moving forward? So Uranus in Taurus also going back into Aries soon, um, creating that uh, tradition around your own identity and with your own community that you've grown into. Because now we're in a culture where we're moving in, uh, you know, there's more nomads. It's more of a nomadic culture. Like how many people actually still live in the same town that they were born in mm. or that they grew up in? Um, families move. It's much more common. And so with all the shifting and changing, like learning to solidify a tradition that works for you, like being in Southern California and having Christmas with like snow snowmen and you know, it's just so strange. You're like, this, this, why don't we make something that works for our environment and where we are now? But we're holding on to that tradition. Sandman. <laughs> oh, no, I think that's a great point because Saturn definitely plays into the idea of tradition and so does Capricorn. And so here we have Saturn and Capricorn really bringing that home. Um, and in relation, like, I think it's a great point what you're saying with the elections and the fact mm-hmm. that, um, you know, this, this equinox is basically setting up, uh, an ingress chart that has the signature of the sun square Saturn. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe that the Aries ingress was a cardinal one. So we are paying attention to each, um, particular uh, equinox and solstice ingress. So that's interesting, and uh, uh, it's it's true. And we're getting we're I mean it's in the news every day where we're we're looking at these old traditions um, and approaches that are trying to be preserved by those in power. And everybody's like, "Are you freaking crazy? Like this is not, <laughs> this is not who we are today." You know, we need new legislation. Uh, this person isn't right to be a judge. <laughs> that's all everything. Um, and these issues are coming up, and we are confronted with that, and we're confronted with the limitations of the traditions of our society and that's being upheld. So I think that's an excellent observation. Evelyn. Yeah. Um, yeah. And an unfortunate one, but <laughs> you're going to say point is cancer too. So we have to think of like, what is the opposition to Saturn and Vesta? And it's, in, that would be cancer. So in the home then we are really going to be feeling this tension. Yeah. With our families too. Um, but it's going to be expressed probably in our society and culture, you know, career as well, bosses, like, does your boss, is, are you in line with your boss's beliefs and moral fabric? Like, <laughs> That's yeah. something my boyfriend talks about every day. Like he's confronted with those types of things because he's surrounded by people at work that have totally different views than he does. Um, and he's not one to rock the boat per se. Uh, mm-hmm. But at the same time, he has to, in, engage with that to some extent, you know, to still fit in at work without there being tension that's not even work related, you know, just 
disrupting the job. Um, and if we think about cancer too, you know, cancer and Capricorn are very nationalistic signs, you know, like yeah. we, it, cancer is going to protect the home, but the home also uh, encompasses the country as well. Yeah. And so, yes, it's, creating quite the signature for our upcoming election, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> um, uh, yes, absolutely. Um, you know, and if anything, I think that, you know, uh, <laughs> I go to, I used to go to these meetups, these astrology meetups in LA when I was living there. And I recently went back and, you know, when you go back to something that you haven't been to in a long time, you get a new perspective of it and mm-hmm. you get a different, you're like, Oh, okay. This is pretty funny. I didn't realize that this is how, but the, the meetup was like, yeah, we're talking about politics. We're talking about these huge shifts and these huge changes and it's depressing and astrology can be depressing because why we look at the squares and the oppositions, because those are the keys to the friction that we, that changes things. Like it's easier to see the friction of something because that's something that'll manifest more easily and more obvious for us. And we're like talking about racism and sexism and the class divide. And like, man, are we just a happy-go-lucky bunch? (laughs) 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 Well, you know, and that sounds like a bit, I'm sure there were some Saturn aspects going on for that meeting. Because if you think about it, Saturn has, you know, like one of, some of its downfalls are the, that depressing type of energy or that, um, you know, feeling fearful about what is coming uh, down the way or what we're going to encounter or feeling like, um, you know, it's it's that confinement, you know, much like I I heard something the other day, uh, an older, uh, I was transferring a tape of a friend of mine from his mother and, um, and this tape was recorded in the eighties and uh, she just seemed like a fabulous woman. Anyway, she said, she's like, back in those days, she's like, getting old was like going to jail. You know, it was like getting, you know, age was like confinement. And I was like, how Saturn is that, you know, like feeling confined by the, the aging self and, you know, in relation to the body, um, but also in relation to society and where you fit in at that point. Um, and how I was watching, I was watching a program the other night. I've become obsessed with this program called Castaways, which I don't, I'm probably just wasting my time watching it, but there's like all these people, uh, uh, stranded on these, um, islands out in the South Pacific. And the whole experiment is they're all on their own, but then they have to come, they have the choice on whether or not to come together, um, to, you know, is it about the connection that helps people to survive or, you know, is it, yeah. Anyways. And the one lady that was on there who, the only one lady who decided to do it on her own, And she was a 61 year old woman, you know, out there doing her thing. She just wanted some time to reflect and to, to, you know, it's a confinement in itself. Um, But she was reflecting on her own mother's journey who was going through dementia. And it shows a little clip of them about her mother coming to terms with her age and, and realizing at that point that her, her sense of individuality and who she was had just kind of dissipated and disappeared and like with age you kind of lose that and you're confined within your own identity of that point and so mm-hmm. not sure where I'm going with the story but it just you know like I don't know I think about those things and that's depressing her second Saturn return that's beautiful uh yes for yes for the lady that's on the the island um mm-hmm. 
and yeah, I had to give it up to her. Like she's, she's a strong, strong cookie and just a good energy. Like, um, but yeah, there were just so many Saturnian principles that were playing out in her story that I could see. Sure. Oh, so beautiful. I love that. <laughs> oh, I know. It's so, you know, Saturn has those things. It has that sense of confinement or depression or feeling, you know, kind of ugh, about, about life. But at the same time, it's virtue lies in the idea of patience and yeah. the self-discipline that we were talking about earlier. Like, especially if you work for yourself and you, you know, you're your own authority um, and re- being able to endure a situation through hardship um, and then gaining the wisdom through it all. So, you know, we gotta, we gotta find our playing field there. And that really speaks to now the sun and Libra, right? And the Libra is always trying to find the balance. <laughs> yeah. Soon. Uh, yes. Yeah. By the time anybody listens to it, it this it will be in Libra. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really beautiful. Also, with the Saturn element of um, depression, and it's a uh, when you think of Saturn and Capricorn, you really think of the individual pursuit of greatness, mm-hmm. and it's you know Capricorn Aries. Um, it's about the individual experience for the most part um you know when we think of capricorn too it's more like the teacher or the boss or like the one person ruling others in some way shape or form and um so yeah with the that sense of self-reflection of your own personal inner authority with your own self like so another thing that i did And last year, it was a year ago during my Saturn return was I did a 10 day silent meditation retreat, Mm. um, which is, uh, it's out here, um, in the desert and 29 palms and you go in for 10 days, total silence, total isolation. Um, well not isolation. You're, you can't look at anyone else. You really can't acknowledge other people. Mm. Um, and there's no reading. There's no writing. It's just you and yourself for 10 days straight. And um, the, if we think of the process of the Zodiac, like from Sagittarius to Capricorn to Aquarius, Sagittarius is the seeker, the pursuit of some sort of a knowledge that's greater than self, that spiritual awareness in some way. And then Capricorn is identifying possibly with that spiritual higher self and then Aquarius is identifying with something greater than you and then Pisces is like the dissolution of self mm-hmm. in totality with that spiritual idea and so in the process of the human evolution cycle too from Aries all the way to Pisces then looking at Saturn and Capricorn is um, going back to that sense of authorship um, self-authorship you are too creating your own process of belief, I feel, and adhering to your um, own belief systems. And then are those ideals greater than the authoritarian or authoritative society that you live in? And so balancing those two aspects. I th- that's interesting, Evelyn, because you really are playing into a lot of the progression that our society has gone through. Um, 
since that Sagittarius, Saturn was in Sagittarius and those exact things were coming up, you know, mm-hmm. uh, finding authority in one's beliefs and being and standing behind those mm-hmm. um, in a way that was very outspoken and putting it out there. And now we're being confronted with everything that, you know, rushed forward basically as a populace as now with Saturn and Capricorn. And we're like, wow, how does this all fit in with, you know, <laughs> the greater scheme of things? It's not a, just about what I believe, you know, like we have to look at it societally speaking and how this fits mm-hmm. in. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Even as simple as the Gregorian calendar. Mm. Like, the history of how the Gregorian calendar came to be. That is our time management cycle. And it's a little out of sync with the natural process of the earth cycles, right? Like January 1st, what even is that? What, <laughs> what, what falls on January 1? Like where, that's in the middle of everything, you know? It, yeah. it kind of doesn't make sense if you follow the planetary cycles and the equinoxes and the solstices. You're like, I, it just doesn't make, doesn't sync up with the earth's natural rhythm. Yeah. It's a very man-made, like patriarchal system of understanding time. And it's kind of like taking you out of the natural feminine, right? The process of the earth. Like a lunar cycle and, you know, yeah. And then the, yeah, I got you. Yeah. And so it's like, no, we're going to adhere to these days of the weeks being this on these days and this is what we're going to follow and it'll be the time management system for the world. You're like, wow, there's still cultures that go by the moon phases. Like my mom didn't even know what her birthday was because she was born. Cause in Korea, they, during that time, they would go under the moon. Like what moon were you born under? Mm. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that, that bears to mention, um, now that's that is interesting, and they changed the whole time thing, wasn't it? Because then they realized they were missing some time with the Julian calendar, which was another man-made calendar, and like they're like we're missing portions of the day, and we have to change this. And really, like the beginning of the new year for most people was starting in that that March zone, and for like the equinox um, yeah. time of life, and then yeah. That's, that's interesting. But I like why you bring it up. Like even your, your mom has like a different sort of birthday, you know, or like reference to time as far as, you know, what we're looking at there. Um, and it bears mentioning when we're talking about Saturn too, uh, at least from, you know, traditional principles of looking at whether or not you're a day chart or a night chart, um, Mm -hmm. because Saturn is going to act differently depending on those, uh, setups. You know, if you have a day chart, Saturn is, um, you know, still has its, that structured authority um, and that restriction there, but a lot of times it's there to help aid um, and help us along and structure so that we can reach these kind of like solar principles and goals we're going for versus the night chart where, you know, Saturn can really get in the way of a night chart and it's, Mm -hmm. it's a night chart malefic. Um, And so that actually helps to, kind of, you know, decipher where your Saturn sits within another set of criteria to look at. Um, Mm. But, you know, it kind of reminds me, Saturn reminds me of chakras too, because it it doesn't need like a completely bad rap, right? But it's much like a chakra. It can be overactive or it can be underactive. Um, Mm. You know, if we have too much structure in our lives and that we can't like ever get out and play and like, uh, Mm. you know, 
we limit ourselves and life becomes depressing because of, you know, these rigid implications we put on things. Or if we don't have any Saturn, we don't necessarily get things, you know, done and like fortify and strengthen our lives in the areas that are important. Um, so we have to go like, cultivate a way to balance it you know we got to get that balance on saturn because otherwise the extremes don't really help us too much in those areas i think yeah. maybe the, the full moon will help that out the balancing yes on saturn out and the structures of saturn and say well let's give a little and we'll take a little and like let's let's think about this from a different perspective from the other person's perspective and see how we can come to an agreement that's best for all parties. <laughs> it's such a Libra. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> hey, you know, it's Libra season. We're, yeah. It's time to embrace these types yeah. of things and understand them. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like I feel, you know, Austin Kopak had an excellent article on Saturn and Capricorn. If you go check out his page that I can't remember right now, but I'll put a link in my blog to his uh, right up because I found it. He had a lot of good, you know, um, associations with Saturn and Capricorn. But the one that I really liked the most was he pointed out the um, the Aesop fable of the ant and the grasshopper. If you remember the ant and the grasshopper mm-hmm. at all? Um, and it's a very simple story. It's like basically the grasshopper spent the whole summer singing and dancing and having a good old time while the ants were preparing for winter. And then winter comes around and grasshoppers like, I'm starving. <laughs> ants help me out. And they're like, Mm-mm. you know, if they're no, you didn't do the work, you didn't prepare. Um, and so essentially I think that's what Saturn and Capricorn is trying to get us to realize, especially on a personal level and our own life's level, you know, what is it that you're trying to architect in life and the goals and ambitions that you have for yourself? And within that, how are you planning for the future? How are you, you know, taking responsibility of things in the moment to set yourself up for what's to come um, so that you have a solid foundation to work upon. And so we have to ask ourselves at this time, especially when we're confronted with Saturnian type of principles, are we the ant or are we the grasshopper? Um, and, you know, like, it, I, I hope we're, you know, anting up a little bit here, anteing up, that's funny. <laughs> um, but we also need some grasshopper here from time to time too, because, you know, if you're not having a good time and it's all just work, 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 uh, life feels a little dreary. Yeah, which is usually, this is the time for us to be the grasshopper, right? Because we've been the ant all summer long, working, 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 cultivating, cultivating, and, you know, through Virgo, getting all the things together and shucking the corn and whatnot. (laughs) (laughs) that corn. (laughs) Well, that's a good point, though, because if we're confronted with this, the Saturn now, once we've, we're in harvest season, we're going to know how much work we've done, really. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I've been a busy little beaver. How about yourself? <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> she just looks. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Oh. Yeah. The summer was really, the, all the summer, everything was insane. Um, I think it's a general consensus for everyone that that was the crazy yes. summer. For a lot of us, uh, <laughs> living in the desert, going through summer was uh, wow, very challenging. Um, because 
um, in the it's reversed. So in the sum, in the winter, like you know, Saturn rules winter Capricorn, and the depth and the very beginning of it, it's a really it's the part where you retreat inward and you um, you know, in a lot of places in the country, people don't leave their house during winter because the snow and it's cold. You don't want to leave and you just feel more cozy inside. In the summer here, it's reversed where it's so hot outside that you can't leave. And so you're feeling the, the, the space is so restrictive and restricting. It feels very Saturnian out here in the summer, actually, versus winter where it feels more free to be out and move and explore. And so being confined in, a, in the space during all those retrogrades like working through all of those processes and the, um, the, um, yeah, all the eclipses and everything felt like a lot of work on a mental level and an emotional and spiritual level for me. (laughs) Hard, diligent day to day, like getting my work done type stuff. Yeah. Well, and work can look different for everyone. You know, it doesn't make that work any less important, you know, like that's, but yeah, you're absolutely right. There's not a, there's not a whole lot of anting going on this last summer. <laughs> it was pretty, it was pretty rough. Um, yeah. And, uh, just trying to get things done or I actually went back in my diary to look at like some of the, some of the Mars square Uranus stuff that I had encountered mm-hmm. along the way. And I would just notice how many entries that I wrote where I was like, I was trying to get things done and like, but I, I'm still behind and blah, blah. And I'm, I'm like, first of all, I was like, why am I getting on? I'm in my diary. I'm getting on myself about not, you know, how Capricorn moon is that? Um, but I realized what was happening in, in those particular moments. Um, and it's so funny, like knowing all this, but not really even applying it to yourself until you hindsight, you go back and read. And I'm like, well, duh, things were moving at a fast, super fast pace. So you can keep up with, with Mars, you know, and Uranus together and then throw some retrogrades in there and you got an extra you know, cocktail of, um, (laughs) concrete, almost slowing you down. Um, so yeah, no, I, I fully hear you on that. So now before we go here, let's talk about just real quick, some tips for working with Saturn. Like, Mm -hmm. I think we talked about earlier, which was a good one was like being conscious of time management, you know, Mm -hmm. just when you can't procrastinate with Saturn, because otherwise, you know, it's, we have to, we have to realize that time is one of our best resources. And I think that that's a good way to like, mm. you know, work with it or some of the things that we might need to do in order to like cultivate a positive side of Saturn um, and get things done in life is that time management. Um, mm-hmm. Any, any th- thoughts on tips for Saturn? Um, I think also since you're probably already experiencing so much restriction everywhere else in your life in terms of external forces, being very understanding and aware of the process that you're going through and not being judgmental towards yourself for it all. Because I think that, you know, there's that whole, (laughs) that whole kind of, maybe someone just should do some astrological research on this, but you know, like, this the suicide rate of artistic creative artists you know at 27 is there's the 27 club of um you know feeling that weight of saturn coming in to your sphere and um then 
also having to deal with the harsh criticism and judgment from yourself mm. for not doing what you thought you had should have been doing or not accomplishing what you thought you should have accomplished by that age. And uh, I think that in itself can be one of the hardest things to overcome in a Saturn return is your own sense of self-worth and uh, criticism and judgments for accomplishment. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I've been, and if anything, that kind of like, hopefully, well, if you can get past that criticism, because that's really the, the, another tip for it is like, don't let reality get you down. Right. Because really like, I think it was Michael Luton, um, who's hilarious astrologer. I've, I've listened to many tapes of his and he just makes me laugh so much. Um, but it, he, I think it was him that reminded us with Saturn. It's like, it's really, yeah, it's reality, but you know, reality is essentially the perception you have of it. Mm. Um, so, you know, it doesn't have to be a bummer if we just adjust our attitude in a way to realize that it's not only this, you know, like, like help to, you know, lighten that load a little bit by changing the, the attitude or the, our perception of what reality looks like or can look like in the future. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, no, I Mm -hmm. totally hear you on that. Yeah. And I think patience. Oh, says the Mars square to Saturn. Um, but it's true. Patience is everything because, uh, what uh, Lisa and I were noticing on a couple episodes ago when we were talking about Pluto, um, and, and since we've had this conversation, I've come across it on a handful of times myself, is how powerful uh, a three-day period can be, you know, mm-hmm. like even just to get to the next moon sign. So if we can cultivate patience in the moment, um, especially dealing with Saturn, you know, in a few days' time, we're going to see that influence subside. Um, and yeah, And that's where that endurance and perseverance and the patience comes in. It's like, you just got to get through it. Just got to get through it. Even in the moment when you are going through that tough time with Saturn. um, Yeah. Like you said, the the moon can shift into another sign the next day and it feels like a totally different energy. And so patience and understanding that it is, it is a phase and there's phases and there's cycles. And this is just one phase that you'll have to deal with for maybe two years or so and you'll get through it. (laughs) And after that, there's light at the end of the tunnel and they don't call it growing pains for nothing. Like you don't, you don't grow out into a new, a new, bigger, brighter shell easily. It requires like pushing out and like getting uncomfortable. You have to feel that discomfort in order to even realize that you're not fitting into that box anymore, that you need a new one and you have outgrown it. And that's also really uncomfortable too with the Saturn is realizing that you've outgrown a lot of old systems. Yeah. That's an excellent point. That is an excellent point because yes, that's, that's when that reality can hit as well as what is no longer you know, it doesn't resonate with you any longer. You've matured beyond that experience. Uh, and now we have to, uh, look outside of that. So yeah, I I think that's an excellent, excellent point. Um, with good, our good old friend Saturn here. So, you know, Hey, Saturn. Saturn. Hey, let's give Saturn a round of applause here. The man who ate his own children, many of his children. (laughs) He's a good guy, you know. He 
trying. He's just yeah. trying to get a new life here. It's like, why does everyone hate me? Um, yes. So I think we covered some good things around Saturn. You know, we've showed the not so great size. We've shown the, the ways you can work with it because, you know, it still holds value um, to our lives for sure. As long as we yeah. <laughs> do yeah. all work. Yeah. Oh my gosh. All right. So Evelyn, tell people where they can find you, you know, your website, if you got anything going on, that book club you were talking about. Yeah, that book club. We're starting the Kabbalion on October 11th and you can follow along with the book club at the hashtag esoteric book club on Instagram. We have that hashtag all to ourselves. Exciting. Um, and uh, I'm on Instagram at astrom.council, A-S-T-R-O-M dot council. Also, that's my website name. So it's the same thing, astromcouncil.com. And yeah, Evelyn, Evelyn Von Zuhl, I'm the only one. You can find me on the internet. Easy, easy. I'm the same way. No one has my name that I've come across. And it's it's kind of nice, isn't it? Like, especially, yeah. I like, uh, before I came down here, carved my own little my own little space on the internet. <laughs> I love it. It's so perfect. Well, I'll have all those links so that people can find you on my blog as well so that they, they know how to get in touch with you. Um, so yes, I thank you so much for joining me today and a fun talk, fun talk of Saturn. That's oh, <laughs> so much fun. So much fun. So much fun. Maybe we'll talk about something more fun next time around. <laughs> it can be. <laughs> All right. So where can you find me? Well, you can find me on energeticprinciples.com um, and also on uh, Instagram and Facebook at Energetic Principles. And like I said earlier, I will have um, some of the links. Uh, I'll have Evelyn's links. I'll have a link to that uh, Austin Kopak op- article on Saturn and Capricorn I was talking about um, and all that kind of fun stuff stuff at energeticprinciples.com. Um, and I also have my Patreon account where I do, uh, you know, you can get early access to the podcast, uh, along with moon horoscopes. And I do a month, uh, weekly tarot subscription. If you're interested in that, uh, you can find that at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. Um, and if you like what you hear today, you know, share it with a friend. We're in Libra season. It's time to (laughs) share with others. So tell people that Mel and Evelyn, we're talking about Saturn, get it out there. (laughs) Um, and if you feel so inclined, you know, I greatly accept a nice review on iTunes because it helps you get seen. Um, and I do do, uh, readings and consultations as well too. So I'll just throw that in there, but you can find that on my website. But anywho, well, I had a fabulous time talking about Saturn. I hope you did too, Evelyn. <laughs> Thank you again. Thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Yes, I as well. So hopefully we'll get to hear from you again. <gasps> Um, okay. Well, until then, thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, may the stars be with you. 